Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I read a story about three old duffers who are out playing golf. Now I got to tell you, I love these stories. Two of them complained the entire time. Fairways are too long, hills are too high, bunkers are too deep. Finally, the third man spoke up and said, well, at least we're on the right side of the grass. And there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? Can I just say, life is a test. Life is difficult. Can we agree with that? Life is a difficult, adverse, problematic, trouble-filled It's what it's about. And yet, here's the key. How we choose to respond to it, however, will not only speak volumes about our faith, but also in how we want to grow our faith. Adversity can be a wonderful thing. Would you agree with that? Life is a test. In fact, I want to read to you what the Bible says in James chapter 1. You know that when you're under pressure, your faith is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So watch what he says. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I love those words, don't you? How many times you've heard me say, Christians are like tea bags. You never know what is really in them until you put them in some hot water. By the way, I love this story. It's about a woman who texted her husband on a cold winter's morning, windows frozen, won't open. So her husband texted back, well, gently pour some lukewarm water over it and then gently tap the edges with a hammer. Five minutes later, wife texted back, computer really messed up now. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to the book of James. I want you to go to the book of James, and we're going to look at a message that I've entitled, Profit from Problems. Life is a test. There's a lot of difficulty this side of heaven. And, And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But how do we profit from them? In other words... In keeping with our series, how do we grow our faith? How do we grow our faith? Well, before we look at James, I want to quickly give you three facts about problems that I think we'd all agree on. And so find a place to write them down. Here's the first one. They are inevitable. I've already alluded to that. The fact is, if you don't have problems, you don't have a pulse. Okay? You're not living. Because even Jesus said, in this world, this side of heaven, you're going to have problems, going to have troubles. Folks, I, I like to say it this way. They are the general electives, the required coursework, okay, in the classroom called life. Uh, you're, you're not going to graduate without them. You see, here's the deal. You can ignore them, but you will never escape them. They are inevitable. In fact, the day you were born, someone slapped you. Okay, I'm just telling you, you're going to have problems. 
but they're not only inevitable. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. They're inconvenient. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, anyone here plan on having a flat tire? I mean, you got up and said, okay, about 10 today, we're going to make sure the left rear tire blows. I mean, it, it always happens really at the most inopportune time, doesn't it? It's a crazy thing. It's like the guy who was riding a New York City subway for the very first time. He's standing next to the door. It's cramped. If you've ever been in a New York City subway, I mean, they get really cramped. So he's not only on the first time, he's next to the door and he is pushed up against the door and he starts to develop a case of motion sickness. Y'all kind of know where this is going. Suddenly the subway stops. The door that he's pressed up against opens and he loses his entire lunch right on a guy who's standing in line to get on the subway. The door is closed, train moves on. The guy standing there simply says, why me? <laughs> Would you agree that's life? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, you're just like, God, why me? Problems, they're so inconvenient. But the third one is the most important one. They're not only inevitable, they're not only inconvenient, they can be very instructive when handled rightly. When you leverage them with a godly sense of understanding. In fact, 1 Peter 4 says this, friends, when life really gets difficult, I love these words, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. I like the wording here. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Those are great words. Now, now let me clarify so you really understand this. I'm not saying that God is the one who causes your problems. What I am saying is that God will use them for his glory and you're good. That's what makes them highly instructive, right? But here's the deal. When it comes to trouble, you get to decide, am I going to grow in them or am I going to drown in them? You get to choose. They can be instructive or they can be destructive to you. You get to choose. I will say this. Nothing will attribute more to growing your faith. Nothing will contribute more to developing a mature faith than how you choose to face the problems and troubles in your life. Nothing will grow it more. You can step in and step up or you can choose to step away. Or as the old adage goes, you can whine or dine, right? You can feast or famine. It just all depends. You get to choose. So what I want to do is I want to look at James chapter one, and I want to give you three keys to facing your problems and then to profit from them. If we're going to grow our faith, we've got to face them, right? Okay. It's the fight or flight thing. If you want to have a growing, mature faith, then you have to fight. You can't flight. You with me on that? So if you got your Bibles, James chapter one, 
And I'm beginning the second verse, reading from the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when troubles come, you're going to have them. Notice that. He doesn't say uh, they might. It says when troubles of any kind come your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you. That's usually not my first thought. Okay, but we're going to explain that. Okay, but consider it an opportunity. What does he mean by that? We'll talk about that. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, there's the key, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. He goes on to say, if you need wisdom, then ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. He goes on to say, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow. There's some great truth there. I mean, those words are impregnated that you can profit from your problems. If you've got a place to write, uh, I want you to write the first one in. Here it is. You've got to rejoice. It's a choice. Okay? Or you could say it this way. Make the choice to rejoice. Now, what is James talking about? He just said, look at it again. My dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, when problems come your way, what is he saying? They're inevitable. They're going to be inconvenient. But consider it an opportunity. There's the instructive part. You get to choose. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, James isn't saying we find joy for our problems, as if we go looking for them, okay? He's not saying that. What he's saying is you find joy in them because of what God's going to do in them and with them for your life. That's what the Bible says, that Jesus, the joy set before him, endured the cross. Now, why would Jesus have joy in going to the cross? Because he knew what that cross was going to accomplish. And when you and I have faith in Jesus, when we go through struggles, when we face our crosses, we have joy because we know what God's going to do with them and accomplish in our lives. Isn't that a good word? It's good truth. Make the choice to rejoice. Romans 5 says this, we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turns forges the tempered steel of virtue. I love those words keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. And then he goes on to say, in alert expectancy, such as this will never, never leave you feeling shortchanged. Isn't that a good word? He goes on to say, quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours 
into our lives through the Holy Spirit. That's a good word. You see the choice there? See the instruction of the problem? This is why Paul tells us what? In everything we can give thanks. Whatever you're going through, give thanks. Because what does he go on to say? A God who's for you, what could be against you? And, and I like to say it this way. It doesn't matter what's against you. God is always for you. And so when you face, you know, problems, consider it a joy because God's going to do something with them that you and I can't even begin to imagine. We may not see it on the front end, but you can guarantee it on the back end. There's always a resurrection in any cross that you face with Jesus. It is a guarantee. So choosing joy is really an attitude, isn't it? It's an attitude because we believe down deep that God is so much bigger than anything we'll ever face. Is this making sense? So here's the deal. Although I cannot control my circumstances that happen to my life, I can most certainly control how I respond to them. And I will choose joy because I believe in the one I trust has it. Isn't that a good word? Peter says this, so always be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. What goes through your mind when you hear these words? I'll say for, <clears throat> I was just thinking about like our marriage. One is that I think our, our best moments and our best change has always come out of problems. Um, I mean, I could think of financial problems. I could think of relational problems. I could think of parenting problems. But all of those tough issues that we're in the middle of that don't feel real good, um, our, best, our best change has come out of those times. And then number two, I think, is that the more, the more those, you're right, and that the more those things happen, when you're in it, it's so much easier to see what's going to come out of it rather than the moment, so. What comes to my mind is being steadfast. Sometimes you just being immovably uh, rooted uh, when the storms are coming, that, th that gives you character because after the waves subside, then what comes, I mean, it just, you have, um, you have that staying power because you, you, you know that God had helped you overcome that wave that had come um, to try and destroy you. It's crazy what storms do to your life. That steadfastness that you're saying, it's almost, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant here, but you almost get a little arrogant. It's almost like every time you accomplish a storm, you're kind of like, well, come on. You know, it, because you just see something that great comes out of it and you're just looking for the great, more of the greatness. Does that make sense? It's almost, it's not that you go looking for adversity, but more and more you, you find this incredible sense of, uh, wow, what is God going to do with this one? And, and that's the evidence of that mature faith. It almost begs the question, who do I have more faith in, my problems or my God? 
and you've talked about that before, this idea that, you know, when I'm going up against things, do I truly believe that he's going to bring something good out of this? Because a lot of times in my life, I haven't believed that by the way that I've acted, by the way that I've treated the problem, because I'm more focused on what's happened to me right now. I, lo I love the story in the Old Testament where the prophet uh, is with his servant, and they're in this town while the opposing army comes and surrounds them because the king says, I want this guy. So the servant comes to the door and wakes up in the morning and is surrounded by this entire army, he's all freaked out. And the, the man of God says, no, no, there's something you don't see. And he opens his eyes and suddenly he sees the host of heaven around it. Because I think one of the things that keeps me sometimes from rejoicing the way God wants me to is, is I keep forgetting that God sees this. It's almost like I think, God, where are you? Well, well he sees everything that's going on. I don't need to get upset on this situation. God knows what's taking place here. He understands, he's not left me, he's there. I just don't see it. And there's always more with us. Always. Than against us. Always. I like when you said, I will choose joy because I believe in the one I trust. And it goes along with what you said too. When I'm in those moments, um, those difficult moments and crying and just having a hard time, it's, it's really hard to, to think, okay, this is gonna be good, this is gonna be good. But I just need to have faith, faith um, that God loves me, you know, and, choose, and that's choosing joy too, um, just having faith in that moment and trying to recall, recall scriptures that talk about joy. You know, even if I don't feel it in the moment, choose to have faith in his word and that will overcome that and help me to see that it will become good. And I've seen in, in my life that it really does make a difference. I've had some difficult times and just many days of just saying, speaking God's word, you know, even though I don't feel it, just speaking it, having faith in who he is, it overcomes in time. His word overcomes and, and brings that joy. Then you can see, yes. Yes, he was doing a work. The choice to rejoice, I, I agree with that. I, uh, as you were talking, Karen, I thought of that bracelet that we passed out because you said so. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before. Um, remember when Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples are struggling. And did he, and, and, and remember the words he said? Did I not tell you? And, and that's how our faith grows, is when we have that assurance that we may not see the promise, but we have the promise. You know, we may not see the end, but we see who's walking with us now. That's what David meant when he says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. I don't need to see the whole picture, God does. And therefore I will choose joy. Because something amazing is going to come out of this. And if we don't choose it, we miss the amazing. And we get swallowed up in the moment. Here's the second thing that I want you to write down that James tells us. Not only that we need to rejoice, it's a choice. In other words, uh, choose joy. We need to request to invest. Now, let me help you with that. 
See, problems are an opportunity to grow. So when you're going through them, you understand you're not alone. Thus, to learn from them and in them all depends on in who and what you run to. That's where prayer comes in. That's what James just tells us. What? He says, if you're lacking wisdom, you're not seeing the picture, you see the problem, go ask God. Request to invest. In other words, God, I'm coming to you in prayer. I know whom you are. I trust that. Teach me. What do you want me to learn from this? Open the door, invite God in to teach. This is why David writes in Psalm 62, trust God all the time. Tell him all your problems. Tell him the struggle. He knows the struggle, but he's asking you to request. You need to say, God, listen, I invite you, have your way. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding. By the way, if you wanna write something down, write this down. Never waste an opportunity to grow. Never waste an opportunity to grow. Because the fact is, if you don't learn the first lap around, you're probably gonna have to take another lap. It's a sad reality, but it's true, isn't it? John Maxwell has a book entitled, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. It's not that you lose, it's that you learn. It's a great book, but here's the deal. If you never learn, you're for sure to never win. You know, little Johnny's preschool class went on a field trip to the fire station, I love this story. The firefighter was giving a presentation and held up a smoke detector and asked the class, does anyone know what this is? Little Johnny's hand shot up and said, well, that's how mommy knows that supper's ready. <laughs> you know, we all know, if you wanna gain more muscle on your body, it requires resistance in your workout. Well, the same is true in growing your faith. There needs to be resistance. And so when the problem comes, you understand that that problem is actually a godly investment. And if talking stock market, if you will take your life and invest it and say, God, have your way, something amazing is going to come out of it. So not only do we need to choose joy, we need to say, God, I, I'm, I'm coming to you. Here's my life. Show me what I can learn, how I can grow. Request to invest. By the way, let me just make a little note here and then we'll talk about it. When you request to invest, not only with God, but sometimes God will use others, just be careful who those others are. Make sure that they're godly people who, who they live, if you will, like Christ through the adverse and difficult times. Does that make sense? So let's talk about investment. Let's talk about our lives and, and what that means to, to actually go to God and say, God, okay, here I am. Have your way with me. What does that speak to you? 
Well, I was just thinking about the order that James says it. First, he says rejoice because that's putting our focus back on God. Because if we can't have our focus on God, we don't know who to request from. Because if we're focusing ourselves, we're going to look in ourselves for the answer, and that's not going to help us at all. And we're going to be totally on the wrong path. So it's just really cool that you're also, like, you're teaching us that, that first we need to rejoice. And then, oh, now that we have our focus back on the, the God who gives us everything and puts us on the right path, let's request the knowledge that we need to get through this problem or to sustain through this problem. Amen. Amen. I mean, we'd all agree. We all have problems in life, right? None of our problems are going to compare to the cross. And that's what Jesus did in the garden. First thing he did, Father, not my will, your will. Now he can what? Invest his life in the cross. He surrendered to God's leading, God's prompting. Now God's going to do something amazing. We have to mirror that. Um, when he said, not, not your will, um, not my will, but your will, we have to mirror that. When we talk about what we can do, what God has purposed for us to do in our lives, that is God's plan for our life. So if we're talking about God's plan, the more we talk about our plan, that's negating the purpose. And I was, I was uh, listening to what you were saying earlier, um, um, and it reminded me of the song, He Who Began a Good Work in Me, will be faithful to complete it. Um, so that is his purpose. And we just have to further that purpose by listening to God and doing the things that he wants us to do to succeed. That's cool because that was one of the verses that God kept bringing to my mind during that time of brokenness is you're doing a good work in me and you're going to finish it. You, know, you mentioned the fact that resistance is a key to growth. And it's interesting that it doesn't take long. All you have to do is observe a person to see, do they have resistance in their life physically or not? I mean, you, you can tell pretty quickly. But even more so when you get around people and you hear from their heart and wisdom, you know, they've been through some things. They've, they've had some stuff in their life and they've gotten through it. Okay, those are the ones I want to request from. I don't want to request if I've struggled my marriage. I don't want to request from somebody, to be honest, the marriage didn't work. I want to request from somebody, they got through it. So it's always finding somebody who's been through an issue. Any issue I ever have, somebody's already been through it. How'd you get through it? What can I learn from you? Those are, those are the people you want to search out for. I think of the story of the old gray-haired man and the young kid. And the young kid said, you know, what's the goal in life? And the old man says, to be wise, you don't make mistakes. And the young kid says, well, how do you do that? And he says, by making mistakes. <laughs> um, what he's saying is that wisdom comes no other way. Those people that are carry and share wisdom have gone through some of the most adverse things. And they learn so much in it and, and why we gather around them. We're in awe. Those stories and the things they share, we're just like, wow. That's what James says. And he says in here that, that perseverance is developed. It comes through time, through our experiences. And it's the reason I love reading the Word, because there's so many of those people in the Word that have gone through what I'm going through in some form. Here's number three. We need to rest in the test. So we begin by choosing joy, because we know that God is going to do something. We trust God, right? 
And because we trust God, we say, all right, God, I'm going to request of you, you invest in me because I know that you're going to do something amazing. God wants to mature and grow our faith. Well, because of all that, now we can rest in that. When we're going through adversity, relax, rest in it. You know, two men were on a small plane over an ocean and the plane goes down. They found themselves in a small deserted island and one of them became frantic, saying that no one would ever, ever find us. We're gonna die here. The other was so incredibly calm and said, relax, I'm incredibly wealthy and I tithe to my church. My pastor will find me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just want you to know, yes, I will. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, because we're children of God, you ready for this? He will find you. But it even gets better than that. He never left you. The Bible says, be not discouraged. Be not afraid when you go through those times. Why? I am the Lord your God. I will not fail you and I will not forsake you. Rest in it. God has it. That's why we can relax. James writes, when you ask, believe and do not doubt. What's he saying? Rest. It's all right. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew? Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden and burdened. You're going through problems. You're having troubles. What? And you will find rest. You will find rest. Folks, listen to this. The greatness of God will always bring about his goodness to you. The greatness of God will always bring about his goodness to you. You know, in James 1 verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You know, if I could rephrase that, I would say this. When he has stood the test, he will be able to rest. But while you're in the test, you can rest. Because look at the promise. He's going to give us the crown of life. We love him and he loves us. You know, there's an old story. It says one stormy night, a boat could not make headway. The captain was struggling to get the boat into port. A nervous passenger looked at the captain and says, do you think we will get in okay? And the captain replied, you know, this is a leaky old boat, so we may go down. And the boilers, well, they're not in very good condition, so we may burn up. But whatever happens, we will go on. I like that. I like those words. You know, there's an old song by C.W. Naylor and Andrew Byers. It goes like this. I mean to go right on until the crown is won. I mean to fight the fight of faith till life on earth is done. I'll never more turn back. Defeat I shall not know, for God will give me victory if onward I shall go. Should opposition come, should foes obstruct my way, should persecution's fires be lit as they were in the ancient day, with Jesus by my side, his peace within my soul, no matter if the battle's hot, I mean to win the goal. What's going through your mind? Fight the good fight. It's an adage, and I think that just 
sums it up. I mean, we just have to keep persevering. And through that resistance, um, we'll grow. Anybody who's been an athlete understands that if you work out, that's the stress part. That's good. But the next part is really where the muscles grow, and that's in the rest time, the recovery time. They don't grow during the workout. They grow during the rest time. And what's important in the rest time is the nutrition you're taking in. Because if you don't take in nutrition, you know this because you were a Division II athlete. If you don't take in good nutrition during the rest, then the, the, the test, the stress, won't do any good at all. That's where spending time with the people, reading God's word while you're resting, that's where the muscle's gonna come. I think you said, you said earlier, you asked the question, grow or drown? I think if you look at, if you truly wanna grow and you wanna persevere, you have to look, you have to look for the next problem. You have to look ahead to the next opportunity that you have because life is, life is one big test or a series of tests your whole life. So you get that rest period, but in that rest period, looking forward to, okay, the next opportunity, the next opportunity that comes my way, the next test comes my way, here's, what I'm, here's where I'm gonna go. And you know that ahead of time, it makes a big difference. And sometimes the, the tests and the troubles are not always big things, you know? It can be even the smallest thing on each day. Um, but, but doing that every day, even in those small things, will help us to grow. Um, just that the rest, it continually puts that focus back on God and the ultimate problem solver. If we're not resting, we're trying to be busy and finish and, and do it and solve it ourselves. But if we rejoice, then request, and then rest in those promises, everything is centered and focused. I like the word centered. I like that. Rejoice, request, rest. Rejoice because we know who our God is. We request because he's gonna do something amazing, whatever we're going through. And we can rest because he who began a good work will finish it. He will bring it to completion. Man, God loves us and he's got this. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.